Welcome to the Lick Messiah Show and Happy New Year. I hope that you are as excited as I am about the potential growth for the conservative movement in Texas in 2024. Today, we're going to talk about Brian Harrison leaving the Texas Freedom Caucus. We're going to talk about Senator Kelly Hancock calling out Ken Paxton as a liar about his friend, who's an establishment, Dade Field and loyalist, Stephanie Click. But then he really didn't provide any specifics about how anything Ken Paxton said in his endorsement of David Lowe was a lie. We're also just going to give you a little bit of an idea or window or filter on how to look at the Texas House, the type of camps that are in that chamber that are forming right now, the people and the players that are in those camps. Let's get to the show. Last week on Twitter, I was at home and uh, recalled a conversation between Andy Roth and Saurabh Sharma, American Moment, I talked about last week as a national organization that's bringing about phenomenal conversations and training programs and all sorts of things they're doing on the national level. And I had recalled that he had a conversation with Andy Roth, who is head of the National Freedom Caucus Network, a nationwide organization uh, basically dedicated to going in and fostering these conservative organizations that are going to fight for our principles against this hierarchical leadership structure that often thwarts conservative policies. And I had listened to the conversation uh, like a month ago when it came out, but remembered, you know what, I, I thought there was this section in there about the Texas Freedom Caucus. And so I went back, I watched it, it was there, I pulled it, posted it on Twitter, and uh, it caused, you know, quite a conversation amongst conservatives, got great traction, uh, was a good reminder. Uh, so before I talk about what happened the next day, let's just go to the clip that I posted. Um, there is one case study where, uh, you know, this didn't go as well. Um, you know, Texas had a Texas Freedom Caucus and, yeah. um, you know, it started a little bit before all of this. It started, I think, in 2018 or, or maybe even before that. Um Talk me through how, how you guys think through that case study. What what exactly happened there and, and why did that example of a Freedom Caucus not do as well as some of these examples that you're, you're thinking of? Yeah, so we don't have a copyright on the Freedom Caucus name. Um, I wish we did, but we don't. And so there are a lot of states that have so-called Freedom Caucuses. Um, I think there's one in New Hampshire, North Carolina, um, a couple states out west, and Texas. And that doesn't mean that they're automatically in the State Freedom Caucus Network just because they use that brand. They have to come to us, um, show that they have a willingness to, to work with us and um, do all the things that are part of our vetting process. When we reached out to the Texas Freedom Caucus folks, it was clear that they didn't really want to actually fight um, but they liked the idea of being part of the network because of all the benefits that come with it. Um, and so we were like, well, sorry, we can't work with you guys because you're, you're clearly not trying to actually fight for conservative values. And we've seen that play out in the in this year's session in Texas. Uh, what's interesting is that the Texas Freedom Caucus now is imploding. You saw um, Nate Chatsline leave, Steve Toth, uh, Matt Schaefer's retiring. And so I think it's finally being exposed for what it is, which is a fake Freedom Caucus group. And so what, what's um, 
you know, what was it ever useful in its early days? Um, what was it corrupted? And, and what, what, what could you learn from that process? Yeah, no, I think it was very good at the very beginning. Uh, there are some great people that were working with them. They had some good lawmakers, but there was no accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, th- this is the thing is that lawmakers left to their natural devices without any pushback are going to gravitate towards leadership and they're going to gravitate to being part of the, the process. Mm-hmm. What we provide is just the incentives to do good work. And that's that's what happened to the Texas Freedom Caucus is they didn't have that sort of support structure and that accountability to each other. And so it naturally fell apart. So, as you can see, uh, you know, the Texas Freedom Caucus is not something that national conservatives are looking at in any way. We're going to get into this to some extent when we talk about Senator Kelly Hancock, but it's good to understand that there is just this sickness that some people get in the Texas legislature where they just convince themselves that they are the biggest, the boldest, the baddest, the greatest of all. And then they convince themselves that they actually don't need to fight like anybody else fights nationwide to make sure that conservative policy becomes law. And instead, they can basically operate the same way that all the moderate establishment hacks operate in the legislature, but in their minds, they're accomplishing much greater things. And that has largely described the Texas Freedom Caucus. I put out a podcast last year about ways the Texas Freedom Caucus needed to change their tactics in order to be more effective. I have good relationships with a lot of members in the Freedom Caucus. I wish Um, that they operated more like Freedom Caucuses nationwide. If you go back and listen to that entire conversation between Sarab and Andy, which was posted a month ago, you can go listen to it on their um, podcast, American Moment, uh, Moment of Truth, I think is the podcast, or you can just go to American Moment's YouTube channel and watch it there, Andy Roth and Sarab Sharma. But Andy shares these stories of Freedom Caucuses all across the nation, all the fighting they're doing and the things they're actually affecting, the policy fights they're winning as a result of the posture they're taking. And so the day after this clip was posted, Representative Brian Harrison announced that he would be departing the Texas Freedom Caucus. He said, today I decided to leave the Texas Freedom Caucus. I remain excited to continue the fight for freedom, individual liberty, limited government, secure borders, and to working collaboratively with them and all elected officials and grassroots Texans who share those goals. And that statement is is very similar to the statement that Tony Tinderholt made when he left the Freedom Caucus, that Nate Schatzline and Steve Toth uh, made. It's a recognition that says, hey, I don't need to caucus with a group of members in order to work with those members to advance conservative principles. If they want to advance things, I will work with them to advance them. And if they don't, we won't advance them. Or maybe I'll work to advance things that they don't want to work on because of relationships they have. And actually, that is going to ultimately be where we kind of land this conversation is breaking down some things in the Texas House. But understand that this was the right decision for Brian Harrison to make. I'm glad he made it. He has been acting independently of the Freedom Caucus for quite some time, but it's really good for him to formally make that decision. It basically, it, we have a Freedom Caucus that is is slowly dwindling or rapidly dwindling. The chairman, Matt Schaefer, who definitely fights more than most of the members um, is not seeking reelection. Uh, and so 
you have a situation where the the most conservative voices in the caucus have left pretty continually. And the question is going to be what happens with that group. Ultimately, you have a number of individuals in the Freedom Caucus, Briscoe Kane, Cody Vasut, Ellen Troxclair, who are far more loyal to leadership and Dade Phelan's leadership structure than they are any type of independent conservative group of lawmakers. And so whenever they operate in any caucus, whether they're in the Water Caucus or the, you know, We Love Veterans Caucus or the Texas Freedom Caucus or the Young uh, Texas Conservative Coalition Caucus or the Republican Caucus, they are far more loyal to Dade Phelan and his leadership regime than they are to any of those other entities. That makes it difficult for even other people who might be a little more independent of leadership to then actually function within that caucus and use it as a tool to advance conservative principles. Did you know you can watch Texas Scorecard on your TV? If you have a Roku or Apple TV device, download the free Texas Scorecard app. There you can find all the great Texas Scorecard video content, like daily headlines, The Luke Messias Show, Heads Up, and Scorecard documentaries. Download the Texas Scorecard app for free on Roku or Apple TV. One thing that also happened this week was that Ken Paxton, Attorney General Ken Paxton, came out and endorsed David Lowe. And David Lowe ran against Stephanie Click for state representative in Tarrant County last cycle and came close to defeating her, even though she spent $1.3 million in her runoff election, still got 46% of the vote. Now, the interesting thing is Stephanie Click, again, is somebody who definitely falls within this kind of very loyal, date feeling loyalist uh, leadership member. Ken Paxton has been coming out consistently and making it clear to Texans that he actually believes something needs to change in the Texas House of Representatives, that the status quo cannot continue to rule. And so here's what he said in his endorsement of David Lowe. He said, David Lowe is a conservative fighter who will fight to defend our children and stand up against radical Democrats. Stephanie Click has refused to aggressively fight Democrats, has killed conservative policy in her role as chairman, and is a staunch loyalist to liberal Dade Phelan who even President Trump called on to resign. It's time to elect David Lowe. Now, Senator Kelly Hancock, and Senator Kelly Hancock also lives in Stephanie Click's House District. So not only did Kelly Hancock, as one of the more, you know, moderate establishment type senators in the Texas Senate, uh, not only did he support the impeachment and ultimately vote to convict Ken Paxton on many of the counts, but this is also his backyard and his own state representative who voted to impeach Ken Paxson and also voted for a bunch of stuff. Now, remember, two years ago in the session before, Stephanie Click killed uh, legislation that would have banned sex change surgeries on kids. That thing that we're all happy happened now wasn't hasn't been the law for two years because Stephanie Click was chairman and killed it. She slow rolled it. She passed it out real late. This session, she did the same thing with COVID vaccine mandates, passing it out late enough so that the calendars committee could kill it. She killed a bill this session that was going to ban the ability for people to go in and change their birth certificates and say that a boy who was born a boy who God created a boy is actually a girl. And that the state of Texas's own government document would say, yeah, Tommy actually is a girl because his parents went in and changed his birth certificate. So this is Stephanie Click. We have to put massive pressure on her to get conservative policy out of her committee. But here's what Kelly Hancock says. 
he retweets Ken and says, this statement is knowingly false. It's a shame to see such dishonest statements being made about conservative Republicans. So I asked him, which part? He has not replied at all. He did reply to Chris Salcedo. Chris Salcedo, who has a show here at Texas Scorecard, also has a radio program, very prominent figure in statewide Republican politics, said, really, Senator, perhaps you can point to an instance in the regular session where Click delivered on the conservative priorities outlined by the GOP of Texas. Okay. And Kelly says, sure, just look at all the conservative accomplishments that the state party promoted in their fundraising letter earlier this year. She supported and voted for each one of those items and was the sponsor on many. Now, this is a specific question, right? He says, point to anything that she's ever done. And he says, well, there are things that we did like banning sex change surgeries, which she was a sponsor of. Now, again, she sponsored the bill that two years ago she killed. She sponsored the bill that two years ago she killed. So am I grateful that she didn't kill it now? Yes, because there are children whose genitals won't be mutilated. Does that make her some type of hero? Absolutely not. But here's what's interesting. Let's go back to his original accusation of Ken Paxton. This statement is knowingly false. Let's break the statement down. David Lowe is a conservative fighter who will fight to defend our children and stand up against local radical Democrats. I believe that to be true. Uh, by the way, Kelly Hancock has provided absolutely nothing that says that statement's not true. Let's go to the next statement. Stephanie Click has refused to aggressively fight Democrats. Uh, yeah, that's true. And by the way, Stephanie Click voted against banning Democrat chairs. Over 80% of Republicans think we should ban Democrat chairs. I would say if you, if you think Democrats should chair 30 or 40% of the committees in the Texas House of Representatives, you're not aggressively fighting Democrats, okay? Now, according to Kelly Hancock, it's totally not true that she hasn't aggressively fought Democrats, okay? She has killed policy in her role as chairman and is a staunch loyalist to liberal Dade Phelan. Uh, that's true, by the way. Two years ago, she killed the bill on banning sex change surgeries on kids. This session, she killed the bill that was going to say you can't change your birth certificate. She slow rolls policy all the time. She killed the COVID-19 vaccine mandate ban by slow rolling it. And again, I walked you through this on my uh, 48 conservative bills that died in the Texas House. So you can go back and listen to that episode or watch that one on YouTube. But that particular episode breaks things down and I show you how she would wait just long enough so she passed it in the window that still allowed the calendars committee to sit on it for a couple weeks and kill the bill right? Tony Tinderholt came out and said, Stephanie Click is killing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate ban. That's what he said. And they all freaked out. And then you know what happened? Stephanie Click killed the COVID-19 vaccine mandate ban. So Governor Abbott had to call the legislature back and put it on a special session call and say, you have to pass this ban that Stephanie Click and Dustin Burroughs killed. So when General Paxton says she's killed policy in her role as chairman. Uh, that's true. Is a staunch loyalist to liberal Dade Phelan? That's true. Who even President Trump called on to resign? Uh, that's true too. So these are just facts. And, you know, we deal with this with the left, right? It's the Ben Shapiro slogan, facts don't care about your feelings. 
And we often have to tell this to the establishment Republicans in the Austin swamp. Facts don't care about your feelings. Stephanie Click has refused to aggressively fight Democrats. Stephanie Click has killed conservative policy in her role as chairman. Stephanie Click is a loyalist to liberal Dade Phelan. And yes, President Donald Trump called on Dade Phelan to resign as speaker. Now, Kelly Hancock could say, I don't care about any of those things, and I want Stephanie Click to be my state representative. And that's probably also true. But, you know, it's easier for him to just come out and act all holy and say, God, these statements are knowingly false, regardless of the fact that he provides absolutely no facts to say to prove that. It's just shame to see such dishonest statements being made about conservative Republicans. Again, I think if you're unwilling to tell the left they need to stop changing government documents to have us as a state participate in your transgender radical theories and ideas and ideology, your religion, I don't think you're very conservative. I don't think you're conserving things very well. I think the fact that you're banning sex change surgeries now, Stephanie Click, when two years ago you killed it, means you're not very conservative because we should have passed that two years ago and then this session been able to pass even more, the other stuff you killed. The fact that Governor Abbott had to hold your feet to the fire and force you to pass a COVID-19 vaccine mandate ban so that these leftist corporations couldn't fire people for not getting some Fauci jab. I think the fact that you didn't just see that bill and say, get that bill out of my committee, let's pass this and become law, means you're not very conservative. You're not trying to conserve very much. And Kelly Hancock has provided no facts or data to support his hand-wringing against our attorney general. So the last thing I want to do for you is to break down the different factions that exist in the Texas House of Representatives. We're going to have a ton of campaigns that are going on this cycle, and we're entering into a very competitive season. There are tons of challengers. There's a ton of retirements. Now, what this means for the future of Texas is largely determined by kind of how you see the Texas House currently, okay? Now, if you haven't watched The Texas Heist, you should. That was the documentary that Michael Sullivan put together. He interviewed some incredibly bright minds, um, brilliant people. Uh, I was in the documentary, in case you couldn't gather that from my statement. But there were also a lot of other people, actually ones quite smarter than myself. And Michael did a great job pulling together a lot of different figures to help explain to the average Texan why do the Democrats have so much control of the Texas House. Okay. And so uh, if you haven't watched that documentary, go watch it. It's definitely worth the watch. My wife watched it and actually enjoyed it. Uh, not, I mean, I'm in it for a very short period of time. So she really it wasn't like she would just like looking at me. Okay, guys, it really did a good job. And my wife doesn't enjoy a whole lot of political documentaries. That's my barometer for deciding that Michael Sullivan did a good job building the Texas heist. Okay. If, if Misha had been like, eh, and I really liked it, then I'd be like, oh, this, I mean, this is a good documentary because I love this stuff. But the fact that she was like, I, that went really quickly and I felt like I learned a lot. Great. That is the goal. So good job, Michael. Um, so if you want to know how the Texas house operates, I'm going to kind of break it down from you for you in these factions, in these bigger picture factions, okay? So first you have the Democrats, 64 Democrats in the Texas House of Representatives. Um, I do hope that we win maybe a couple seats, okay, in this upcoming November election. And so perhaps they're down to like 62, 61. Every single one we can defeat will be a big victory. 
for Texas. But ultimately, they will have 60, 61, 62, 63 Democrats in the Texas legislature. Um, and that is a faction. And that is a faction that more often than not sticks together. They do a very good job. They know that their job is to convince enough bad Republicans to vote with them to either kill conservative policy, to pass bad policy, and to use every chairmanship that they have to then threaten all the members to not advance their own agenda, right? And they do a good job of that. Now, they're very loyal to Dade Phelan right now, but they're most loyal to Democrat ideas and policies, the religion of the Democrat party, which is transgenderism, open borders, all of these various different ideas, okay? You want to rid ourselves of our biology. We want to rid ourselves of what it means to be a nation and a state. This is what they are more loyal to over Dade Phelan. So then the question is, well, why are they close to Dade Phelan? Well, that's a really easy answer. They're close to Dade Phelan. They support him today because he's their best vehicle for getting maximum power out of a situation that they're already the minority in. They shouldn't have the power, but he's willing to give a lot of it to them. So they're loyal to him. If at any point they think that he's not loyal to them, if, any, if at any point Dave Phelan just said, you know what, I'm going to start governing like a Republican, the Democrats would not be loyal to him. Now, that would be a good thing. And not only would it be a good thing, that's the kind of speaker we need. We need a speaker who says, I'm not loyal to you. I'm loyal to the rest of these Republicans and actually works then with the Republican caucus to advance Republican ideas. And then Republicans keep him in power as speaker because he's advancing Republican issues. That is a big faction, though, regardless of whether you have a good speaker or a bad speaker, the Democrats. And the Democrats will work with various different voting blocks to advance their religious prerogatives. You then have leadership loyalists, okay? And leadership loyalists is a larger group of people depending on how strong the speaker is. And right now, Dade Phelan is probably the weakest speaker in Texas history, sitting speaker. I mean, I, I don't even know if he has more than a handful of Republicans. It's like, I, I think there's two or three Republicans who've even endorsed him for re-election. They won't tweet him. They won't retweet his attacks on Dan Patrick. They won't even like his posts anymore. These people are scared. I mean, Cole Hefner, Jared Patterson, these guys, they used to just like everything he put out. He could tweet out happy Kwanzaa. They're like, like I attended a Ramadan party. Like I hate Dan Patrick. Like I love this thing. Like uh, my favorite ice cream is, you know, cotton candy. Like, I mean, these guys were just like, please, Mr. Speaker, see us on social media. We're your guys. Give us good committee assignments. And now they're just kind of backing off. Okay. So I would say that number right now is pretty low. I, I put that number at like 20 to 30, maybe true hardcore feeling leadership loyalists. That group of lawmakers isn't just loyal to Dade Phelan. They're actually loyal to themselves staying in power. So this is Dustin Burroughs and Greg Bonin and Jared Patterson and Cole Hefner. And, you know, it's Ellen Troxclair, Cody Vasut. Briscoe Kane, you just go down through the list. It's Cody Harris and the whole local and consent group of people. It's people that are part of that kind of core Dennis Bonin holdover regime, Morgan Meyer, Will Metcalf. They're loyal 
but they're also just kind of loyal to the fact that they're all in power. And so they're loyal to Dade. And then if Dade looks like his stock is going down, they're just going to hop on another horse and say, can you keep this really bad, dishonest, horrible, corrupt regime in play and in power? Because if you can keep me in play and power, I'm on board with you. So that's a group. That's a cadre of lawmakers. You also have the anti-school choice group, the 21 that voted against school choice. Now, this is a bad group of lawmakers. Some of the most liberal Republicans in the Texas House is in this list, right? A lot of them are like, they're more, con they're significantly more conservative than Dustin Burroughs. Okay. Just from like a Rice Univ or any of these rankings, like they vote with Democrats a lot less than Dustin, quite a few of those lawmakers that voted wrong on school choice, but that doesn't mean they're conservative to be clear, because that's a low bar. This is a, this is a bad group of lawmakers and a group of lawmakers that will defy the Republican platform, defy Governor Abbott, defy Lieutenant Governor Patrick, Senator Ted Cruz, President Donald Trump, everybody. And they will team up with Democrats. Now, the interesting thing is that group of lawmakers, you have to understand, is not actually, for the most part, a group of loyalists to Dade Phelan. In fact, they're not happy with Dade Phelan. He's the one who let school choice come to a vote. Remember how he just kept, like, it wouldn't come out of committee? He was doing that to protect them. Because Dade wants to protect Democrats, so they're loyal to him. He wants to protect his top lieutenants, give them power, so they're loyal to him. He wants to protect these more liberal Republican members, so that they're loyal to him. Okay, He protects everybody except for the top conservatives in the chamber. Okay, so this group of school choice Republicans... They have Governor Greg Abbott coming after them. Ted Cruz is heavily criticizing them. Ken Paxton is against almost all of them. Travis Clardy is the exception to that as somebody who actually stood against the impeachment and stood against other kind of corrupt practices in the Texas House, but does not support the governor and Republican Party of Texas and other people on school choice. Outside of him, everybody else, they're an enemy of Greg Abbott and they're an enemy of Ken Paxton. But this group is not necessarily loyal to Dade Phelan. In fact, one of the things that a lot of these members know is that Dustin Burroughs and his cadre of kind of corrupt, dishonest members, they will actually benefit if these guys are replaced with kind of wishy-washy Republicans. And this is why if anyone's running against these guys, you need to go to them and make sure they don't support Democrat chairs. They actually think we should not have some Obama lawyer basically completely twisting the rules to kill as many conservative policies as possible as the parliamentarian of the Texas House of Representatives. You need to push them on whether the speaker should be able to go get votes from Democrats and support from Democrats before the Republican caucus meets to select their speaker. All of these things so that people like Burroughs and Bond and these other guys don't go get people elected that are to the right of these people bad on school of choice, but they're just still will rubber stamp the kind of corrupt power regime that's there. And so these 21 Republicans who voted against school choice are bad Republicans. They're liberal Republicans for the most part. And they're also not loyal to Dade Phelan. And they're also really mad at Greg Abbott. So that's kind of its own set of, of, it's a great opportunity that conservatives have though to take out some of the most liberal Republicans in the Texas House, Okay. So again, some of them are in that camp. Some of the most liberal Republicans are in that camp. And some of the most liberal Republicans in the Texas House are in the Dustin Burroughs camp, okay? And then you have the reformers. If I was going to be most charitable 
in who a reformer would be. A reformer would be somebody who voted against impeaching Ken Paxton. Okay. Now, again, some of these groups will even have overlaps in them. But I will say this. There are people who voted against impeaching Ken Paxton who would still consider themselves very loyal to Dade Phelan. Okay. But I, I think that list is a pretty narrow list if you go look at the no votes. I think for the most part, almost every single one of those people that voted no would in no way consider themselves loyal and part of the Dade Phelan team anymore. So the reformers are any lawmaker that says something needs to change, right? You even have a member like J.M. Lozano, who's a chairman under Dade Phelan, but he actually co-authored a resolution to apologize to Ken Paxton for the horrific sham impeachment that the Texas House pushed through. Impeachment that he voted for, right? So the reformers is a list of people that could grow. And it could have members in it that are a little more liberal, it could have members in it that are more conservative. It could have members in it that are really vocal and fighting and members who just do more behind the scenes things. But all of them generally believe that this entire system and this culture in the Texas House of just dishonesty and corruption has to change. The amount of just wins we hand Democrats on a regular basis has to change. So the reformers, the anti-school choicers, the Dade feeling loyalists. And then there's a group of members that like, they're not, I call these leadership light is what I'll call them. And leadership light describes members who basically will never not be with any leadership that exists. Okay. If Tom Craddock, Joe Strauss, uh, Dennis Bonner or Dade Phelan or Speaker, they're going to be with them. They're never going to push back against them. They're never going to try to undermine the existing hierarchy. They see themselves somewhere towards the bottom of the pyramid. They're not a chairman. So they're like, I don't make decisions. I'm just here as a member. And they're leadership light because the truth is they're not loyal. If they had a better option and they thought somebody else was going to be speaker, they'd go to that person. If that person happened to be a reform-minded person who wanted to make the chamber a better place, they'd be cool with that. If that person happens to be somebody who's corrupt and dishonest, they're going to be okay with that, okay? They're just kind of going to go with where the wind blows. Now, those members are not helpful, and but those members are less of a problem than... Dave Feel and Loyalists, or even some of those 21 that voted against school choice. What I would encourage you to do, because you're all around Texas, is you should ask your state representative, where do you think you fall in the Texas House? Do you consider yourself a Dade Feel and Loyalist? Are you loyal to the speaker? That's a great question to ask your state representative. Do you believe that the Texas House needs to be reformed? Have you publicly said that at all? Do you actually believe it? What, what, what are you doing to try to make that happen? Do you think deals should get cut with Democrats? If you're one of the 21 that voted with the teacher unions to kill school choice, uh, heck yeah, you think that. So ask any of those people. If you ask Ernest Bales, do you think Republicans could, should cut deals with Democrats? If he says no, he's lying because he's cutting deals with Democrats openly to kill Republican policy and to keep the Democrat platform agendas alive. Democrat platform says, hey, kill all the school of choice. Ernest is like, that's that's my agenda, 
Republican platform says advanced school choice. Ernest is like, ah, that's not really my thing. So if he said no to that question, he'd be lying to you. And by the way, I'm not pulling a Kelly Hancock here. I'm not telling you Ernest Bales and Hugh Shine and Drew Darby and Stan Lambert would be lying to you with no facts and figures to back it up. Steve Allison, this is what they are doing. This is what Glenn Rogers does. This is what Justin Holland does. Justin Holland teamed up with Democrats to pass gun control out of his committee after teaming up with them to kill a ban on red flag laws. So he walked out of committee so that the Demo- they didn't have the votes to pass the bill and then ran back into committee when a gun control policy came up to pass it. Anyways, these are some of the factions that exist. This is not a perfect filter, but I wanted to give y'all kind of some ways of looking at the legislature as these races are happening, uh, questions to ask members who are running for the Texas House in your community. Where do you consider yourself in the Texas House? Do you consider yourself loyal to Dade Feelin? Do you consider a need for a reform? If so, ask them, can you specifically tell me some of the reforms that you would like to see happen in the Texas House of Representatives? Do you think Democrats should be empowered as much as they are empowered in the Texas House? That's a great question. Ask them. Ask every single one of them. So with that, there's a lot of things happening in Texas. I'm excited about all the changes that are happening. The year we're in, the good news is God's on his throne. So you can be at peace regardless of how these elections go. But we have a real opportunity to spend ourselves in a worthy cause on things that really matter. And we have a lot of things happening here in Texas, in our own backyard and across the state. Please, if you're wondering how you can engage, always remember to reach out to me, lukemacias.com. You can go to the contact form, fill out that contact form, click send, and that will come right to me. I get emails from y'all on a weekly basis, can plug you into a local conservative organization. I had a guy who emailed me and wasn't sure, and I connected him to somebody in his community, and literally he text, you know, emailed me back a couple weeks ago, said, I contacted that person, I got to know him, now I'm working with them to advance the thing they're working on, Right. And it was really cool. So as I get that feedback, I love getting it. And again, if you're trying to figure out what all you're going to do, feel free to reach out, lukemacias.com, fill out the contact form, send it in. Guys, this is going to be a heck of a year. And I'm looking forward to coming to you every week throughout 2024. May God richly bless you and may God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to the Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.